from somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, yes, Mr. Rob Roop, thank you very much. I am the aforementioned Mike. Thank you for joining me here, weekly podcast that I do. I'm recording this a little late again, Sunday night, by my lonesome. Uh, That's okay, though. Uh, Wife is downstairs. Girls are asleep. Boys asleep. You, me, whenever the hell you're listening to this, I thank you for listening to this. By the way, got fact-checked last week, and I was right. I was fact-checked for being right. Well, not necessarily being right, but I was right. Get to that in a few moments. Uh, Do want to say that uh, I have been enjoying uh, the last couple of weeks of Better Call Saul, the uh, series finale coming up here in a matter of uh, less than a month. And uh, four episodes left, recording the Sunday night. Uh, next episode drops Monday, which is uh, rumored to have a certain meth maker and lab assistant from another popular series that Saul Goodman appeared on. Yeah, uh, I- I'm sure you can figure that one out. But uh, we are now in the Better Call Saul phase of the show. Basically, uh, you know, Jimmy McGill is now 24-7 Saul Goodman. And I'm not going to tell you... Uh, all the events of the previous episode, if you haven't seen it, I mean, it's, it's, it's been great writing, great uh, great acting. I mean, everything about this show, to me, is firing on, on all cylinders. But I kind of have a little bit of hesitation, because uh, the week before, uh, when they picked up midseason, I said that a lot of shows, that could have been a great series finale, a great last episode. Then last week's episode... Which uh, does the time uh, time jump into a uh, uh, the Better Call Saul era, and I and I don't think I'm ruining any major plot points. Hopefully, I'm not. If uh, if you have yet to watch it, uh, that could have been a series finale. In fact, uh, uh, one was it Daily Beast made point of this that that could have been a good series finale for break uh, for uh, Better Call Saul. I'm just hoping that uh, there is a satisfying conclusion. Because I'm thinking back to uh, Return of the King, Lord of the Rings, where uh, after the main action fell, it seemed like that that movie had like three or four freaking endings. <laughs> uh, I'm just hoping that uh, the show knows when to get off the stage because uh, the last two episodes, I mean, either one of them, if you ended on that, eh, wouldn't have been bad. Wouldn't have been bad. Uh, but we shall see what the next one uh pretty much gets into now yes i was right i still got fact checked and uh this goes back to my podcast last week i made mention of the this uh this article and the uh the affiliate in question is wkrn out of nashville and uh they were talking about how this woman picked up a dollar bill in a mcdonald's uh parking lot and od'd on fentanyl which is an opioid and she uh she started having these yeah, and I and I'll get to that in a second, but she was having uh, these um, overdose symptoms. Apparently, she goes to the uh, emergency room, uh, and then you know she gets out, she's okay, all that other fun stuff, and uh, the police destroy the dollar bill in question, even though there was no visible residue on the dollar bill in question, and people like myself were questioning if there was any validity to this story. Because uh, you would think that this would be a little more far, um, a far, far more common thing, even before the pandemic, when uh, dollar bills were floating around out there. In fact, I posted this story July 12th. This was a good 12 days back. I had to go back and look for it, 
And uh, what I posted on Facebook was, quote, the story has been making the rounds nationally. No grain of the drug was found on the dollar bill. Not sure what caused her reaction, but the story doesn't add up, and a lot of news outlets are just pushing it out there, end quote. That's what I posted July 12th with the story in question. And a lot of people, various uh, uh, various comment sections on Facebook at various news outlets is pointing this out. There's something that doesn't make sense, especially since they didn't test the dollar bill, right? They just destroyed it. They didn't find a grain of it anywhere on this dollar bill. They didn't see any visible residue. Well, lo and behold, <clears throat> and I shared this story, uh, I got fact-checked earlier this week for doing so, and uh, I think Facebook was using the Columbus Dispatch and the notice I got, uh, independent fact checkers say this information is missing context and could mislead people. And of course, learn more about how Facebook works with independent fact checkers to stop the spread of false information. <laughs> well, I mean, I shared it, but I expressed doubt. So I don't think that's necessarily sharing uh, misinformation. That's me calling it out before you guys did. Now, I do have a link to the article here in question, and they go into a little more uh, detail than WKRN did uh, with this uh, this cu uh, couple of Kentucky that apparently the woman had the overdose in Nashville. This article did get shared on multiple, multiple news Facebook pages and Twitter accounts across the country, right? And uh, the dispatch does acknowledge that WKRN did start this up, and, uh, they, of course, uh, in this fact check, although the very last line of the article quotes an expert who says that simply touching a drug will not cause an overdose, this article seems to suggest that there is a link between the woman picking up the dollar bill and going to the hospital for an accidental drug overdose. Um, of course, uh, they're talking about uh, all of this and how it was shared on hundreds of thousands of Facebook pages and how even uh, Kevin McCarthy... Uh, Republican minority leader in the House uh, talked about this on Fox News. Uh, but they kind of leave out the fact that many newsrooms were sharing this outside of Fox News. Uh, Dr. Ryan Marino basically says the incidental contact or uh, exposure to fentanyl uh, will not cause any skin absorption. It's uh, He says basically, look, if you touch sugar, your blood, sh your blood sugar levels don't go up. That's the same with fentanyl. Um, and what he was talking about with some of these uh, symptoms was like she was having a hard time breathing. She felt like dying. He said that those weren't symptoms of an overdose involving opioids. In fact, uh, when uh, opioids are used, they're helped to make people relax and breathe better when they're responsibly used is what he's saying. And uh, one thing that he mentioned in this fact check article, you know, the one that I got fact checked over, even though. I was cynical about it, was that uh, the woman in question did not test positive for fentanyl, but said that she overdosed on this dollar bill that was destroyed. In fact, she didn't even test uh, at all for synthetic drugs. She just tested negative, and they went out, and for some odd reason, this article ran all over the damn place because, you know, we have to use a cautionary tale about picking up a dollar bill and freaking people the F out. Uh... And it kind of makes you wonder why this hasn't been more commonplace even before the pandemic. You know, oh, I can't touch this because it could kill me. Uh, I, that's not going to prevent me from picking up a dollar bill. If I see it on the ground, I could use the money for, 
for all uh, to intents and purposes. But uh, yeah, he points this out, and uh, here you have uh, the social media director. And, and by the way, it's kind of like with the radio stations, um, you know, television affiliates. They're not necessarily owned by the networks that they run. Uh, but they are owned by big television groups. So, uh, you know, hey, we have this story about uh, this OD, this possible OD in Nashville. Why not put it on the Louisville affiliate? And then, you know, you go all over the damn place. That's how that works. That is irresponsible, highly irresponsible. And there is even portions of this article uh, which was warning us about it that was basically saying, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> not everything adds up. Uh, but I did link that up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. I did not take down my fact-checked article, but I was right, damn it, and I still got fact-checked. And uh, you know, what it kind of drives at is it seems more like it was the fault of the Facebook user for sharing it, even if they were skeptical, even if they trusted the media. You, get, you, you shouldn't be spreading misinformation that we ourselves put out there. That's the vibe I got from this whole freaking experience. But uh, uh, a little a little interesting out there if you want to take a look at that. All right. Uh, a couple of uh, instances of uh, woke sucking. Dave Chappelle, who did The Closer. And by the way, nominated for an Emmy. Nominated for an Emmy, so congrats to Dave on that. I don't know if he'll win, but just the fact that He's nominated for an Emmy for this, is uh, making some people gnash their teeth a little bit. He probably won't win, uh, but uh, he is nominated. And uh, Norm MacDonald's, his final show, his final special, Late Great Norm MacDonald, also nominated for an Emmy. You know, kind of a special category. So Dave and Norm, the Late Great Norm MacDonald, that uh, neck and neck for that, uh, along with some other stuff that I probably don't care about. Um, but uh, Dave Chappelle's out doing his comedy thing because that's his day job. That's what he gets paid to do. And uh, there was this sold-out show in Minneapolis last week, and I'm drawing a blank on the theater, and of course there's probably going to be some um, uh, music snobs that are going to call me out for not remembering it, but uh, hell, I try remembering a lot of things, okay? And it pisses off my wife. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I haven't made her mad lately. That's good. Um, but uh, uh, he has this sold-out show. People looking forward to seeing Dave Chappelle up in Minneapolis, and I think uh, two days out, they ended up canceling the show. And yeah, it, it, it just for the dumbest reasons because uh, they didn't realize what the impact it would have on their audience. So uh, they uh, let another theater host Dave Chappelle, thankfully, and uh, ticket holders still got to see basically the uh, the biggest rock star in comedy right now but uh, still pretty shady stuff and i think from from what i understand uh the underlying reason was because the theater employees weren't having dave and they threatened to walk out if he performed that night so this theater lost out on money that would pay these kids and uh, uh, adults alleged adults money uh they they lost out on a sure bet, a surefire thing to give these guys and gals paychecks just because the staff had a set about Dave Chappelle. Like, it's kind of funny when I look at some of this crap because I, and I've talked about this before. Like, both the right and the left 
have a bit of the cancel culture stuff in it, right? Uh, more like lately it's been the left, but back in the day, you know, you had parents that wanted to put uh, music advice, uh, music warning labels on CDs. Uh, you had that lawsuit against Judas Priest about those two kids that killed themselves because allegedly, uh, you know, Rob Halford was putting lyrics backwards in the songs that would tell them to do that, even though that was bull crap. Uh, but, but it, it's kind of like that. Like, in, in an odd way, when uh, kids rebel against their parents saying they're not going to be like them, okay, they might take a different stand on certain things, but they will use and employ the same tactics that uh, their parents might have used if they don't like something. And that's what I'm kind of getting at here with the, the Dave Chappelle thing and the threatening to walk out on a job. If I was the theater owner and they did this to me, I would have fired them. And I know it's hard to find gainful employment, but I would find a, I would found a way to make it work with Dave Chappelle. You know, that's that's bullcrap. And the impact on your audience, they know who Dave Chappelle is. This And the closer's been out for a year now. And they love Dave Chappelle, and they want to be entertained, and they want to laugh, and that's what Dave does. That's his job. And he's supposed to be controversial. Kind of like how Judas Priest, you know, being a metal band, was supposed to be controversial, and people put out a, a, a false message about them. So, uh, you know, and Dave is still getting paid. And you're not changing anybody's minds about Dave Chappelle. You may not agree with Dave Chappelle, that's fine, but if you're just going out of your way to prevent people from enjoying something that they paid top dollar for, you're just going to piss them off, and they're not going to take your side. Uh, and and I've got a little bit of a theory about this, believe it or not. Yeah, imagine that. It's just, if if people know what you enjoy, they will make you feel guilty about it so much nowadays like Dave Chappelle and comedy in general and you know this is a prime example of trying to control what you like because they find out you like Dave Chappelle they're gonna make your they're gonna make you feel guilty about it if they find out that you think like things like South Park or you agree with Bill Maher on something <laughs> I mean, because Bill, I mean, he's a left-leaning guy, and he's getting crap for calling out his side of the aisle for some stupid things. They're going to make you feel guilty because it goes against uh, uh, what I guess the critical drinker would call the message, and you have to agree with him on everything. You're, you're going to see far more guilt trips about liking things, and if you admit to liking a movie from the past, uh, they're going to keep guilting you about it. And I'm not just talking about Blazing Saddles. Hell, like the uh, the other day, my wife and I were watching Dumb and Dumber on Netflix, and uh, that movie is so friggin' hilarious, but I can't see how that movie would be made today, uh, especially with the Me Too movement and some of the alleged animal abuse that goes on in that movie. I mean, for crying out loud, Jim Carrey's character sells a, a, a decapitated dead parakeet with duct tape around its neck to a blind kid. It's a funny gag, but oh my god, the the pearl clutching today would be off the charts. Uh, but that's what Dave's dealing with, and I don't think Dave's going to back down. I don't think his fans are going to back down. And by the way, uh, John Cleese, John Cleese, uh, legendary uh, Monty Python performer, 82 years young, 
Guess he was out in Vegas, and he's a left-leaning guy, but he also knows that with comedy, you kind of have to, you know, walk that tightrope. And he says that being woke has ruined a lot of comedians because they don't think about the joke. They just, they, they start to second-guess themselves. And they start to, you know, and he's talking about how it ruins it. They're basically editing, editing jokes in their heads before going out there and preventing them from doing funny things. Now, Seinfeld is a guy that would write a, a page of jokes a day, go back, edit it, but he wasn't necessarily editing it to take out the controversy. He was trying to, you know, figure out the flow. People are worried to tell a joke, and it's it's a dangerous thing nowadays. You tell the joke. If it works, great. If it doesn't, you go back to the drawing board. If you offend somebody, say sorry, and it's up to them to forgive you or not. If they're out to, you know, make you lose your job, then you just, you know, scoot away from them and say, I don't have to deal with that a-hole anymore. But John Cleese is right. You have comedy performers that are second-guessing themselves because they're too afraid of what the audience thinks. You have to be fearless. It's hard to be a guy like Dave Chappelle. And, you know, John Cleese, uh, you know, he probably offended quite a few people. I mean, if you you ever seen Monty Python, The Holy Grail, or A Life of Brian... Jeez, Louise, man! I'm sure a lot of that last one, a lot of Christians would have probably lost their crap. Uh, but he's right; you can't worry about what other people think. Kind of like what Pat Benatar is doing right now. Uh, she's damn near seventy. By the way, I was I was kind of doing some research on Pat Benatar. I love her; she's a great singer, one of the best rock voices ever, hands down. She's only four foot eleven. You could fit her into your pocket, but uh, her and her hubby, uh, uh, who's a great guitarist, uh, they're out on tour, you know, because it's summer and uh, we're no longer uh, hiding from germs. But she was talking recently about how she does not perform Hit Me With Your Best Shot anymore, which is a great friggin' song. It. Uh, some people don't like it. I like it. It's it's a little poppy, but it's definitely got some muscle to it. Love that song. She doesn't perform that live anymore because she says, I can't go out on stage and perform that with a, a smile on my face with all these mass shootings going on. And she says, sorry, you can go home and listen to it. Well, of course you can. You can go on Spotify right now and look at uh, the Pat Benatar account and notice that uh, hit me with her best shot is by far her most streamed song by at least 60 million. So she's kind of having her cake and eating it too. She's taking a stand, making money from the concert uh, revenue, and she's getting royalties from a song that she refuses to play. All, all the while, while wagging her finger at us. It's it's Kabuki theater, man. It's just it, it makes no difference. It really doesn't. Uh, because the kids, uh, the the maniacs that go and do these stupid shootings and, and kill people, are not like it's it's not like you know the whole well rap music leads to violence. Pat Benatar does not lead to violence, man. Uh, I, I doubt that uh, the idiot in Buffalo or in Texas or the idiot uh, that was down in Greenwood earlier this week was just jamming out to the best of Pat Benatar before doing horrible things. She she needs to take she needs to take herself less seriously. I mean, th- these are terrible events, but people go to your concert to have a good time to forget the world sucks. And you know she has an opportunity just to do her thing. You know, and I don't care what her political opinions are. 
Uh, there are plenty of musicians I like that I don't agree with, but you know, she just needs to take herself less seriously. I mean, if if she really thinks removing a song from a set list is going to you know do any good. Why is she playing Love as a Battlefield while Russia and Ukraine are going at it? Maybe maybe if she removed that from the set list, uh, peace will break out across the world. Wall hug and hold hands and kumbaya and all that stuff. I don't know. I mean, like I said, I mean, great singer, but this is just, eh, it's a pointless gesture. It really is. Uh, by the way, Bruce Springsteen is getting crap from his fans. Oh, that's tough, isn't it? Um... He's going on tour, and, and uh, say what you will about the dude. He does have a fan base, but he has a, a fan base that doesn't get quite doesn't quite get what he's doing. And it may not necessarily be all him because Ticketmaster's involved, and we all love Ticketmaster, don't we? Uh -huh. uh, but uh, they, they, I guess they have a, like a premium pricing thing with some tickets, and uh, the more premium tickets, uh, the more in-demand tickets. Are going for anywhere from like four to five thousand dollars a pop, and his fans are just outraged by it. And Ticketmaster's like, no, 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 that's only eleven percent of the tickets. <laughs> Everything else is at a more reasonable two hundred dollars uh, or less. Yeah, that uh, sounds uh, reasonable, uh, but only eleven percent, and people can't quite get why they're expensive. Well, there's the thing: is um, you know, Bruce Springsteen is a part. I know he likes to paint himself as kind of like um, this modern-day uh, Woodrow Guthrie, you know, kind of a, you know, you know, kind of a man of the people, a man for the blue-collar middle class. But he's long left that set, man. Long left that set. I mean, he's uh, he's doing like uh, little things with Obama. He's doing little things with his celebrity friends. He is no longer a man of the people. Uh, he is a man of the people, pandering to the people. Uh, that are blue collar middle class. <laughs> Only two hundred dollars. Holy Christ, man! Um, you know, I've I've always thought Tom Petty was better than Bruce Springsteen. To be honest, uh, the late great Tom Petty, and uh, I I don't think I even paid fifty bucks to see him years back. Um, and that was at uh, Raw for Clips or whatever the hell they're calling that down in Noblesville now. Uh, but it was a great show, uh, and it was affordable for a guy like me uh, on a radio man salary. And it, it was a really good show too, by the way. Just because, uh, even though I'm getting a little sidetracked here, um, because it, it was weird because he was he's, he was in his mid fifties at the time, and you know he's an older guy, but seventy five percent of the audience was like under thirty. Like young kids, just you know, he he was a time he was, in my opinion, one of the few truly timeless musicians. His stuff just resonated uh, with youth, no matter uh, what generation they were from. Uh, but as soon as he started playing, the whole place just reeked a pot. <laughs> I did not partake, no, uh, because I had to remember where I parked. It, uh, the parking situation out there is never good. But I, I would think that Tom Petty was more of a man of the people, even though he, too, a rich rock star, because you could actually afford to go see him, for crying out loud. Four or $5,000 a ticket, no thanks. Uh, just stay at home and uh, listen to his songs if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, one thing uh, uh, one thing that my wife and I kind of are into, and we, we wish we had more time to do it because, you know, or, you know, or at least our schedules can line up a little more, 
and uh, the kids were driving us nuts. We love the kids, but they will drive you crazy. Um, you know, we, we like looking at stars, and I guess some people kind of got a, a look at a star earlier, uh, a couple days back, Friday morning here in Indiana, more, more or less central Indiana. Northern Burbs of Indy, I guess, saw a, uh, a meteor light up the uh, early morning Friday sky. And it broke apart, and I think fragments of it were uh, probably going to land in Kokomo, Peru, Logansport, those places. Uh, it, basically, north-central Indiana for those uh, needing a geography lesson about the Hoosier State. Uh, I didn't see that, but I got home Friday night after a fun night of work. And uh, she and I went outside on the porch because the kids were asleep. And uh, we don't have too much light uh light pollution where we're at but we did look at the night sky it was real nice and you know i'm sipping on a cold beer and i see like a colored light streak across the sky i'm like what the hell is that like it's kind of a green and we saw a couple shooting stars but that was kind of a big one we were looking for more so you know you had this um uh this uh, this friday morning thing in central indiana then up here in northeast indiana we saw and then uh, i got a little nervous because i turned on the television amc was showing armageddon <laughs> <laughs> this afternoon and you know you have the little meteors that follow the big uh, texas man killer one and i'm like i hope that's not happening because that would kind of suck it kind of puts a damper on the weekend when you think about it that way uh but uh yeah they, they they're talking about how it's rare for somebody to get struck by a meteor like uh, there's only been two recorded incidents in human history of people getting hit by meteors and, and not like you know big flaming space rock but like you know fragments like you know the size of a grape sometimes they can be the size of a baseball i couldn't imagine getting hit by uh, something the size of a baseball falling from space with all that friction in the atmosphere forget it no no that would be uh, that'd be pretty freaking bad um Let's talk about comeback real quick. This is not much of a comeback. Uh, as sad as I am to say about it, I linked this up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page uh, earlier in the week. Uh, maybe you know about this or not, but uh, when I was at Ball State, uh, off and on, I would work at Toys R Us when I'd be back on the east side of Indy. And I would, you know, you know, build bikes, move stuff around in the back, and help out where I could. And it was just basically, you know, Christmas break, uh, it was also summer vacation. Anything I could do to get some beer money, right? Uh, well, then, of course, Toys R Us went out of business uh, like five or six years back. Has it been that long? Jesus. So it, they went out of business, and they, they got like a few stores left up in Canada. Uh, I think it's uh, owned by a different company uh, that has access to the brand. But stateside, they're kaput. And uh, it was announced earlier this week that they and Macy's will uh, team up for Christmas. So uh, Toys R Us will have a special toy section at Macy's where nobody who can afford things will see them. And and I'm being serious. Because like I think one of the gripes about Toys R Us, I mean, great variety of toys. If you wanted to go in and find something, chances are you were going to look for it. But they weren't as uh, as uh, economically sound as, say, your Walmarts, which uh, could sell these toys. Maybe not a great variety, but basically, you know, they could sell Spider-Man for maybe 50 cents less than Toys R Us could. Spider-Man might have, uh, you know, Toys R Us might have a better selection of Spider-Man figures with villains and such, but you could find a cheaper Spider-Man at Walmart, and kids want Spider-Man. They don't necessarily want Hobgoblin or Sandman. 
You know, if maybe Venom or Doc Ock, sure, Green Goblin, sure, but you know, you know, they're not really into variety. They're into beating the hell out of their toys. Nerds are into, you know, nice looking figures. So now you're bringing uh, Toys R Us back in Macy's, which uh, also has a reputation for being kind of pricey. And I don't, I can't remember the last time I bought something at Macy's. Uh, maybe, maybe years back when I was struggling to figure out what the hell to get my mom for Christmas. Oh, yeah, she might like uh, this foot massager that she'll probably use twice in her life. Um, <laughs> oh, it costs $50. Well, it's got to be nice, right? But, I mean, th that's the thing. is like if your Toys R Us, you need to rebrand. You need to figure out a way to be uh, a little more economically sound, especially in these days of inflation and high gas prices and whatnot. So you're teaming up with Macy's. Wouldn't it be better? It, it'd probably be a little harder because Walmart and Target uh, do okay for themselves. Wouldn't it be easier just to like partner with them and have a Toys R Us section in those stores, build up your brand again, or better yet, you know, Barnes and Noble has gone smaller with their stores. Not you don't have all the big uh, the big mega Barnes and Nobles anymore. Maybe do a smaller version of Toys R Us. Something that something to uh, chew on. You gotta make yourself visible though. You gotta go where the people are. Believe it or not. Uh, but uh, that's going on just in time for the holidays. And uh, if you haven't heard by now, Vince McMahon has fired himself. Uh, 77-year-old uh, WWE guy. He is now retiring to be behind the scenes and spend more time with his mistresses. Uh, you know, <laughs> ahead of all these allegations of paying uh, cover-up hush money uh, when it comes to uh, you know inappropriate behavior. It always kind of astounds me, though. Uh, it was like a was a few months back talking about uh, that uh, that documentary one of the uh, cable networks was showing about Hugh Hefner and how he may not have been the best guy around gals. Oh, you don't think? The guy had like seven wives. He had a magazine where women got naked. I'm not excusing the behavior. I'm just saying the behavior shouldn't be shocking. If a dude's doing that... Mm, maybe not be around him. And if a dude's got a bunch of women, you know, showing off their assets, so to speak, uh, during the Raw era, not that I'm complaining, uh, maybe that woman shouldn't be working for Vince McMahon. Maybe that should have been a big red flag. Ah, well, you know, that's common sense. You know, stay away from trouble if you can. That's it for this week. Uh, we'll figure out what to talk about next week. Until then, please, stay fresh, cheese man. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live. 